I'm Lindsay Curtis, and this is Her Return, a podcast devoted to women making the journey of returning home to their divinely human, feminine essence. Each episode is an opening up of a real-life topic with experiential techniques and tools to support you on your journey home. It is my great pleasure and an absolute honor to introduce you to Katherine Shaneberg. Katherine is an internationally renowned teacher, healer, psychologist, and dream and imagery expert. She is a true virtuoso and a great guiding light. She's the holder of an ancient lineage of the Kabbalah of Light and is the founder of the School of Images, which is dedicated to teaching the techniques of this lineage. She is the author of Kabbalah and the Power of Dreaming, Dream Birth, and her latest book, The Kabbalah of Light. Catherine conducts imagery and dreaming workshops worldwide. Today, in this conversation, we discuss all things dreaming, shifting levels of consciousness, and coming back to union. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do. Welcome, 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 Catherine. I am so nervous and excited and thrilled to have you on the podcast. Thank you for being here today. Well, thank you. Don't be nervous. We've had a <laughs> long relationship <laughs> and a very good one. <laughs> you know, the nervousness, it's part of my nature. <laughs> Um, I must say that when I created the podcast, you were one of the first names I put down as like my dream guests. So I feel like so excited to, to be here and that this is happening. I am sitting here with your beautiful newest book, The Kabbalah of Light, which I look at and it's like the textbook for dreamers. I feel like it's absolutely packed with wisdom and When we set up this interview conversation, I was like, oh, I'll have the book done and we can talk about everything. (laughs) But it's so full and slowly digesting. So that's not (laughs) a present possibility, but congratulations and thank you so much for getting this out. Yes, most people say it's, uh, they have to read it slowly. (laughs) Very slowly, very slowly. And not just because it's exactly, it's an invitation to experience. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. And that's complicated for people to experience because they're not used to it. They're used to reading, but not necessarily to then experiencing it in their bodies and in their souls, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is all about doing that. Dreaming is about experience. The subconscious is about experience. So um, when when we think about the subconscious, we don't realize, but it's really the cauldron of all of our experiencing during our whole life from the moment of conception until death and uh, not only that but it's also the cauldron of all the experiences of our family Mm. our family lineage and uh, so we we have our own dream field then we have the whole dream field of the family and then larger dream fields like our cultural dream field, global dream fields. Right? So all this belongs in our bodies. It is it's part of our bodies and our bodies are dreaming all the time, picking up information and processing it. So that's what the subconscious is. 
Mm. Purely experience. Purely experience. It's very different from the conscious mind because the conscious mind is analyzing mm. what's happening in the world and, and watching it in a, in a linear progression. And trying where, to predict it. Trying to predict it also, yeah. Mm. Whereas the subconscious mind is experiencing all the time. It's, uh, um, but, the, but most people are cut off from the experiencing. Mm. We are. We have become a mental species instead of being a, a dreaming species. <laughs> mm. And we equate dreaming with being off in the stratosphere. That brings me exactly to one of the quotes that from the book that is just so delicious, that the dialoguing with the dream is a subversive action that has been disenfranchised time and time again. Absolutely. You know, the Bible describes this with uh, Jacob's sons. They see their brother Joseph arriving and they say, here comes the dreamer, let's kill him. <laughs> Which they proceed to do. I mean, they don't actually kill him, but they throw him into a pit and then they sell him to uh, slave merchants that are going off to Egypt. Mm -hmm. So they basically kill that part of themselves which is the dreaming part and so this is five thousand years ago so we're still doing it <laughs> and as dreamers i'm sure that everyone that is listening can really relate to that experience of at a certain time cutting off maybe this dreaming part and then needing to re-establish connection oh yeah because it is the connection with your true self mm -hmm. it's what your true self knows Right mm -hmm. now, the conscious mind is very important. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it really helps us to do our due diligence to find out what the facts are and so forth. But then I have to turn inward and ask, well, what does the dreaming think? Mm -hmm. And that's going to be really the true decider is the dreaming. In fact, many of the psychologists the studies today um, show that decisions are made by the subconscious, not by the conscious mind. So knowing how to practice this in a, in a knowing way is, is of great importance. Mm. Let's say I can say, okay, um, I've just been invited to do a podcast with Lindsay. <laughs> I know all the facts of Lindsay. Do I, then I look in, it's called inner gazing. I look in and I ask my dreaming, yes, no. And the dreaming says, yes. <laughs> so here I am. <laughs> Yay for the dreaming. Yay for the dreaming. Mm. So, I mean, but we have many more important decisions to make. Like, should I, should I hire this person? Mm -hmm. Right. And maybe the dreaming is going to show me a, a dark diagonal crossing my vision. Mm -hmm. That very clearly says, no, don't hire this person, even, they, even though they look the part. Mm -hmm. And so we're learning uh, when we become dreamers, really practicing dreamers, we're learning to, um, to really surrender to the image that is shown to us by our dreaming body mm. and accept it and accept that in what what the bible calls the still small voice 
or the, the, the image that appears to accept it. That's the practice of a dreamer. Mm. And I would say, isn't it as well, accept and interact with it? Say that again. Is it not also accept and interact with it? Because I oh. feel like this is like the great power of this work and this lineage is that we're not just blindly saying, okay, this is what we see, but we also interact with it directly. Well, because the dreaming can show you, um, let's say I'm asking my subconscious or, or in my dream at night, I, my subconscious is answering my questions, right? Even if they are subconscious questions or they are anxieties. So my dream is answering that and it may show me something I don't like. Something that needs um, to be responded to, if you want, right? Mm -hmm. So the first layer of many dreamers' dreams is is can be uh, unpleasant, but that's okay. That's that shows me the necessity of what the inside is asking me to do for myself. So if I'm dreaming of a dirty table or I have mud on my boots. It's really asking me to do what I would do in everyday life, which is to go back into the image and clean the table, clean the boots. Mm -hmm. And that's going to change my whole emotional life mm. to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And therefore, our experience of life and very often our physical reality as well, the new opportunities that can come in when we're clearer inside. Absolutely. I mean, that's the key, is that the, the work is a work towards enlightenment, mm. developing consciousness, the larger consciousness, super consciousness, if you want, more and more, so that our life becomes uh, an easy, happy, flowing life. Right? Mm. So the, the, the work really consists of turning the conscious mind back into the into looking at the subconscious mind. Um, and we've forgotten that. I, I always show uh, the students the new tarot as opposed to the old tarot, because you see the empress and the emperor in the new tarot, and they're not looking at each other. In fact, the emperor's a, a really patriarchal, rich wandering, <laughs> yeah, in the right of weight. And if you look at the old Marseille tarot, the emperors turn towards the empress and they're looking at each other lovingly and they're doing the work that, that I call inner gazing, which is I'm asking a question. Okay, I've seen this appearing in my outside world. Let me ask the inside what it feels like. Mm -hmm. And the inside is the, the body with all of its extraordinary capacity to to really know what's happening all around it, mm -hmm. to really know if this is good for me or not good for me. Should I eat this salad? Maybe, maybe the inside is saying it's not good for me. I actually, it's funny that you use that example because I asked often this when I was traveling in South America <laughs> or in like in Bali in Asia, like, is, is this okay for me to eat? Because I was concerned about, you know, getting, getting sick. Uh, in the belly and so it's very connected to that practically and the power of the dreaming to support us in these everyday decisions is so potent decisions and deeper decisions too mm -hmm. i married this man 
<laughs> one of my one of my friends who had done the work um, met a man she was very attracted to, and he was very attracted to her. But, but when she looked inside, the man was dressed in a gabardine, and he had on he had he was holding his briefcase, and he would turn his back to her. And he walks away, and the great metal doors close behind him. Boom! <laughs> now, she wasn't a very good. Uh, she still had to learn her lesson. Uh, she didn't follow the dreaming. She didn't follow the dreaming. And after two years, he did exactly that. Mm. One day, he called her up and said, I can't see you anymore. And she never heard from him again. And I bet from that day on, she followed the dreaming. We hope so. Yeah. <laughs> and I love this because you also often say it, and I believe you mentioned in the book as well, but that we need to test. We need to test the dreaming and test our insides in order to develop that trust in it, actually. We do. Yeah. I call that verification. Verification. Yeah, verification. Now, it's a long-term practice. Mm -hmm. I mean, today I'm 77, so if the dreaming says turn right, I turn right without a question. Mm -hmm. But I've verified for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And if the dreaming said you'll lose your bracelet if you take it with you, I would test it. I would take the bracelet. I would be willing to lose the bracelet to find out if it was true. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I'm not asking everybody to go to that extreme, but... It's always a question that people have. How can I tell the difference mm -hmm. between fantasy and true dreaming? Mm -hmm. And fantasy is, is the way that the conscious mind uses the images to reach its own goal. Mm -hmm. So you see it a lot in movies, you know, the romantic movies where she's going to find the prince and they'll drive off or they'll ride off on, on a white horse into the horizon happily ever after, right? Um, most of, all of that is fantasy, not fairy tales, but this kind of movie or this kind of thinking is twisting the images to fit one's goal. Mm -hmm. And it always makes us very tired, very exhausted, right? Mm -hmm. It's not fresh. It's something we've we've you know we've lived through and gone through a lot whereas true imagination is the opposite it's revelatory it's shocking exciting uh revo yeah revolutionary uh, mm -hmm. uh, completely new and so it refreshes us mm -hmm. right even if we don't necessarily like what it's showing us, it might have a, a cutting image that shows us that we're full of ego and we should, uh, you know, clear that out. But it's still revelatory. And so it excites us and gives us life and uh, movement inside. Mm -hmm. As the fantasy does the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit like, it's a little bit masturbatory if you want, right? That's mm. the best way of putting it, maybe. Mm. Exhaust us. Mm -hmm. And the, we, yes, the self-gratification as well, and the building up of self that isn't 
necessarily authentic. No, it, it's not. It's actually addictive. Very addictive. Yes, yeah. I've seen this as well. It's a, it's the latest form of addiction, I feel like, as well with the level of, of social media and people's consumption of outer images and then what they're making that be in their own inside, comparing themselves to, but also like creating in the fantasy. It's so. actually absolutely terrible. I mean, you have a young child and you're not providing him with uh, an iPad, <laughs> right? But many, many parents, and I understand them, you know, there's no help from the family and there's not a, an extended family. So parents are exhausted. They put the kid in front of an iPad mm -hmm. and suddenly he's being fed images. Mm -hmm. and this is disastrous because it is addictive. Mm -hmm. The child is now he's going to eat those images instead of really being playful which is pure imaginal work and and this is the way that kids grow up and teach themselves right they play with their friends and oh i i'm the i'm the cop and you're the the victim and i'm i'm gonna do this no no you do that and they fight and they they grow in their um playful acting of the imagination and this gives them incredible uh, powers of inventiveness resilience maturity i mean without that i don't know what these kids will become mm. Mm. and of course we've had covid during which they've been very much on their own and very much in front of screens mm -hmm. so I think a, there's been a great loss mm. to those young people who were in front of screens during all of those two and a half years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the habits that it's installed in the families now, because it is, and it can be a lot easier, as we said, with exhausted parents and, and a lack of communal support as we no longer live in such close spaces. And there is more fear installed as well about reaching that out. And how much conflict, I just want to circle back to that, like conflict can create and, and is like the ground, I feel like as well for love, especially when we see kids going back and forth and there's this space of needing to negotiate one another's experience to then move forward. Well, I mean, it's very hard to negotiate if you yourself are not doing the work. Mm-hmm. Right. And many parents find that. Mm -hmm. So the kid is screaming, I want my iPad and I'm not going to get off the iPad. No, I'm not going to go to bed. No, I don't want to listen to the story. I want my iPad. And then the two parents beginning to fight mm -hmm. because they don't know. Um, they don't have a core uh, inner strength that comes really from looking inward. Mm. They don't have a practice if you want. Well, so I think that the, the conflicts get much, much more uh, acute. Mm. And what would you recommend as a beginning practice for this experience? The, the easiest, you know, the real, the easiest thing of all is always to start looking at your night dreams. Mm. Yes, mm. people can they can accept that they all dream 
<laughs> After that, if you say them, well, you're dreaming all the time. In fact, you could see you're dreaming anytime you want. Yeah. They, they go poo poo and they don't believe you. <laughs> but in fact, you're dreaming all the time mm. and you have access to it all the time. But to start off with, they can ask their dream. Mm -hmm. How am I going to solve this? Mm. And the dream will answer. It's like the, the subconscious is a great river of, or cauldron of images and thousands and thousands of bits of information that suddenly poof, come together and present you with a dream that answers your question. Mm. It's really quite magnificent. Mm -hmm. it's, it's described in the, in the Bible. Actually, in the first, practically second sentence of the Bible, in which God hovers over the dark waters. And that's what we do at night when we are dreaming, if you want. We hover over the dark waters. Mm -hmm. and, then, um, and then the Bible says, and then there was light. <laughs> and that's what happens to us. There's light. Mm -hmm. and then there's order. Oh, suddenly there's a firmament across the waters, and now there's dry land, and there's there's ocean, and now there are trees, and now there are planets, right? Mm -hmm. So order appears, and that's what we do when we gaze inward. There's a chaos of information, but if you if you pinpoint it, tell me what I should do about my kid, boom. The 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 inside gathers together and brings order mm. Right? Mm. so and that is a collaboration of the subconscious and the conscious mind and so when i wake up i should write those dreams down because they're very important mm -hmm. i should ponder them and there's a very simple way of understanding the dreams themselves which begins to help us because it's like a puzzle so you know you have a storyline or at least uh, most dreams have some kind of a storyline even if it looks a weird right <laughs> but then then it also has certain patterns mm -hmm. and it's the patterns you want to look at mm -hmm. oh and there's a man and a woman and there's again and a man and a woman and there's a number two everywhere in the dream so i'm beginning to have a pattern mm -hmm. And the pattern is what's going to start showing you what this is about, right? So we look at the pattern, and the pattern is going to, to indicate where the, the dream is wanting you to look. And then you'll see, you'll find the answer to the dream. You'll, you'll begin to understand it. Mm. Yes, and this is very different than... The way most people think about dreams uh, with dream dictionaries and, and the symbolic language where an apple means an apple and, and it necessarily is about knowledge, for example, or... I mean, an apple means love. Oh. <laughs> That's oh. the symbol, right? Okay, yes. <laughs> I couldn't think of it. <laughs> I, was, I just don't really speak that language, so it's hard for me. <laughs> Well, uh, nothing on the inside is symbolic. Yeah. Mm. Actually, in my book, I have a whole chapter about it, um, which I'm sure 
must annoy a lot of symbolists. But nothing on the inside is symbolic. You're living it. Mm. I'm walking down this road and there's a strange turtle in front of me and it's, it's pink. I'm living this. It's not a symbol. Mm-hmm. Now I can go to my d- dream dictionary and look at what turtle means, but it's not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a grain of truth in that, but not a, not the reality of what does it mean for me to be looking at a pink turtle just now? Mm-hmm. That's what I need to ask myself, right? Mm-hmm. And what I feel is that this is really the living experience of it. Mm-hmm. Just like you say, like, I'm doing this and I see it, just how we, we speak about dreams in the present tense, because as we're we are literally living it again. We're experiencing it with our senses and it's in our body and uh, and alive, which is like the revolutionary aspect I see of this work is that it's living and it's giving the living its place with all of our attention. Well, giving the living its space is a beautiful way of putting it. Mm -hmm. It really does. It makes me more alive. Mm -hmm. That's why we talk in the present because I'm looking at the pink turtle. (laughs) It's exciting <laughs> and unusual. <laughs> and and maybe I'd like to take a walk with the pink turtle and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. What is its message? What is the message of the pink turtle? And, um, you know, so, so this is an experience. It's not symbolic. Mm-hmm. What is symbolic is, you know, the flag. The flag is symbolic of my country. Mm. that's symbolic or this uh, particular icon is symbolic of safari or zoom or whatever Mm. but what is happening on the inside is purely experiential Mm. and delightful generally (laughs) Mm -hmm. even when it's uncomfortable for the moment because it's leading us forward into something even greater well, that reminds me of the man who came to see me. He had seen every every doctor under the sun, and he always had the same nightmare. Mm. Somebody was running after him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he couldn't sleep at night because he woke him up every night. Somebody was running after him. And this had gone on for about 30 years. <laughs> so... He was an old friend of mine and he was feeling very uncomfortable. But I said, do you think you could close your eyes? So he closed his eyes and I said to him, why don't you surround yourself, catch a ray of light and surround yourself with light, get a shield of light, get whatever you need, a lasso, a gun, a sword, (laughs) whatever you feel that is going to make you feel safe. Mm -hmm. So he did that huffing and puffing, but he did it, and then turn around. And there was a Gestapo officer. Mm-hmm. Now, he was a Jew who had fled the Gestapo during the war. Mm-hmm. And the Gestapo officer looked at him and said, finally, I've been running after you for 30 years. <laughs> so then they had a little conversation where they agreed that that was enough and that uh, the, the officer, the Gestapo officer could go back to his own life and didn't have to run after him and he could go to his own life. And that was it. It took two minutes. Mm. Mm. So potent. 
And I recently I was watching, um, I mean, I was in America this summer and I hadn't been there in a while. And it's amazing to me how much, um, how many people are on medications and the medications that are on television, the, the publicity that's on television. And I was recently watching a comedy, uh, a stand-up comic who's this young woman in her early thirties. And her whole show was about her mix of medication that she was on and how many nightmares she's having. And like, just, I, I stopped after like 10 minutes of watching. So I don't know if it was the whole show. I'll give her that much credit, but I was greatly disturbed because I was like, there's this entire portion of America and perhaps the world that just can't even look at the fact that this is living information as well. And that our night dreams are really trying to communicate us something and being able to dialogue with these other parts could resolve so many aspects of our life that we think, quote unquote, are wrong. But the, the culture is buy something to help yourself. Mm. Do something to help yourself. Yeah. It's not saying uh, look inside to help yourself. Mm. I mean, people do go to uh, psychotherapy, but again, it's language and language um, is the, the language of the conscious mind. It's not the language of the subconscious mind. There is language in the subconscious mind, but it's, it's poetic. It's, uh, it's alive. It's, it leaps from place to place. So there is language, but it's not um, it's not the language of every day, if you want. Well, I hate my mother, and, and, uh, and she did this to me, and we, we talk about it endlessly, mm. uh, hour after hour, year after year. And it, it, in fact, pushes the story to become more and more ingrained instead of finding the way through it, through the emotions, through the trauma to dissolve it so that the person can the person's true energy field can grow and blossom mm. right if we hold the, the trauma um so tightly that's the truth she did this to me and this was terrible it was but do i need to keep on living it mm. i need to grow into into living into life right mm. so how to clear those those blocked energies in the body the only way really is to look inside mm. what is it where is it oh well it's under my heart okay what color is it well it's dark gray with a purple tinge <laughs> um so how old are you when you're looking at that well i'm three years old mm. And who's with you? So it starts to unpack the the energetic block and opens it up. Mm. And by the time, uh, and this can be done very fast. By the time they've they've unpacked it, suddenly the inside doesn't look gray anymore. It looks pale blue and pink and happy. Mm. Now, it may sound crazy, but it's quite easy to do and very fast. Very, very fast. That's always what's so amazing. And think about how 
Um, I mean, I just worked with a woman yesterday who's in her mid sixties and we addressed something that occurred when she was a newborn and she held this there her whole life. And then in the matter of our session, poof, it was gone. Like this deep seated abandonment has gone and now can have a whole new experience. So it's, it is so, so quick. And I'm always so humbled by the speed of light, quite literally. <laughs> but once this is done, in the speed of light, it's gone. There's still the resonance of habit. So mm-hmm. we have to replace the habit with a new habit or with a new image. Mm-hmm. And so I have dissolved this ugly gray purple thing and the memory, I've cut the cords to it. And now I'm looking to a new me and maybe the images of a tree growing with beautiful green leaves and white flowers. Mm-hmm. And that will change the person's life mm-hmm. because it's something has been replaced. The old habit has been replaced by a new image that I can hold on to and uh, see growing and is alive and well. Catherine, talk to us about the importance of stopping and pausing and resting in relation to the work. A pause can be a second. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, or it can be a a whole day or it can be a year. We paused during COVID. Mm -hmm. I thought it was a very, very important moment Mm -hmm. because only by pausing can you change octaves, Mm -hmm. move to another level of consciousness Mm. pause is really the the the, um um the healing because the body's been doing this tightly tightly for a long long time and suddenly we pause and that allows the body to return to even for a second to return to its natural ways And then we proceed right with life, but it's felt that and that's enough. When I was working in the hospitals in, um, in Israel, in Jerusalem, um, I always had a packet of mint or of um, uh, rosemary. Okay. And I would take it to the people I was going to see who were in great pain and I would pass it under their nose, and the smell was so strong that it created a pause in the pain. Mm. And that helped them to get better. Mm. A second, Mm. it was very powerful. Mm. Right, dropping right back into the sensations of the moment as well. Yeah, instead of being in that acute, ah, For a moment, they were taken out of that acuteness into something else, and that helped. It began the process of healing. Mm. So in all things, whether it's physical or emotional, or even a belief system, Mm. the pause where suddenly I'm not seeing it the old way, I'm seeing it a new way. Mm. So we have a, a... very simple exercise that I give people when they have relationship problems. 
um, I'll tell you the story of this woman who hated her husband. She came to see me because she hated her husband. He'd lost his job mm -hmm. six months earlier. I can't bear him. He can't. She was so, so angry. So she spoke for a while about how angry she was. And then I said, well, I understand. Why don't you close your eyes? Breathe out three times and remember the first time you fell in love with him. Mm. She was so surprised it happened. Mm. So then she opened her eyes and she was very angry with me. <laughs> Transference. <laughs> no, it wasn't transference. Yeah. It was, what are you doing to me? I didn't come here. I came here to complain about my husband. And suddenly I've been taken out of that. Mm. But what was most amazing is the next morning he got a job. Mm. Mm. So her tightness, her rage had actually stopped the flow for him too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a pause, a movement away from. And you can easily do it by simply closing your eyes and seeing the person you're having a problem with and then stepping out of your body and your dream body and going to stand in their shoes. Mm -hmm. So now you're standing from their point of view, looking at yourself. That's very instructive. <laughs> very, very, very. Oh my gosh, this exercise is such a favorite. Mm. And then you come back into your body, but mostly when people come back into their body, they're looking at the person in a totally different way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And understanding ourselves in a new way. Absolutely. Mm. So we need to look at ourselves from a different point of view, <laughs> all of us. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. That works very well with in relationships, in family relationships, right? Mm -hmm. It was one of the the one of the exercises I really verified my own dreaming with every time I would have a difficulty with my partner and I'd take a pause and I do this exercise, everything would dissolve. And at first it pissed me off. <laughs> I'd get angry and, I, and I'd restart the fight again almost. And I'd witness what I was doing like consciously and then laugh and then do the exercise again and everything was gone. <laughs> And, and I probably did that for like a good year playing with this movement of how, well, when I really open up on the inside and I let my dreaming inform me, everything can be in peace again. And then it's my own attachment to the drama or not that is then going to dictate what happens. So I can choose not to be attached to that anymore. But it, I did play with it for a while. <laughs> well, it, it, it's interesting you're describing that because this woman came back the next week and she was pissed. Why? Because now he can't take care of the kids. Now he's at his job and he can't take care of the kids. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so, I mean, there was a little work to be done there. Mm -hmm. until she was uh, able to let go of this belief system that he was incompetent and incapable and that she was angry with him. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So the pause allows us, and it can be done in all sorts of different ways, just stopping everything you're doing for a minute. Mm -hmm. That's pretty nice, right? Yes. Or, you know, I, I come from a Jewish tradition. The Jews do that every, every Sabbath. 
and the Christians used to do it every every Sunday. They adopted that pause. You mm. didn't work that day, right? There were certain things you didn't do, and that's very very helpful because it it realigns you to something different than what you've been. I've been working every day for six days, creating the meals and hating my husband and my children because I have to cook. And then suddenly that day, you're not cooking. Mm. Mm. And something completely changes, right? Mm. So the pause is very, very, very important. Mm. It's the key to it all. Mm. It's the key to transformation, if you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. Let's touch upon male and female in, in the dreaming perspective as well of these two energies. Um, um, as I was sitting with it, it reminds me uh, years, I think I had found you or you found, your work found me uh, probably six months later, I was on the tram in Brussels and this very old, beautiful man was talking to me. And all of a sudden he was like, I need to tell you something. And I was like, yes. And he was like, even though you're a woman on the outside, you're a man on the inside. And every man, even though he's a man on the outside, they're a female on the inside. And you need to know this. And you need to know that the world is going to know this soon and that a lot of things are going to change. And I was like, okay. <laughs> a total moment of revelation. And, um, and then my stop was up and I had to leave. <laughs> but um, And then later through the dreaming, we began to learn way more about these energies. And it's something that I'm, I'm very passionate about as well in, in harmonizing these polarities. What do you want to speak to that? Well, at first, that he was a great teacher. Oh, my God, amazing. <laughs> and that he's absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And, of course, if you read the, the biblical text, which is the Western um, spiritual tradition, is at first uh, the Bible and also the Greeks and the, and the Egyptians. But all this is a... Yeah. So the biblical text says Adam is male and female. Hmm. And in one, and we are male and female in one. When we look into the dreaming, we switch very easily from being male to female or female to male. And, um, and it's completely fine. It's the truth. We are both male and female. Mm -hmm. Now, in the outer form, the, you know, the, the manifest world requires a specific conditioning. So we choose, let's say, to be a female. Uh, and with with the issues that of of the womb and the creativity of the womb and so forth, or we choose to be male, and that has a different kind of of uh, uh, dynamic. But on the inside, we're always always balancing the two, or trying to find a balance between the two. And um, in fact. This is the great dilemma of the world is male, female, or black and white, or, you know, left and right, or past and future, or up and down. This is always a, a duality, if you want, right? Hot and cold. We're living in, in a world of duality. 
And if we come back to the dreaming, we come back to unity. Mm. And so that has a great advantage because it enables us to live in the everyday world, in the world of duality, while also living in the world of unity. Mm. And so we get much less conditioned. Most people are always fighting. They're fighting with their husband, they're fighting with their father, or they're fighting with their mother, or there's always a duality that is, that is happening. And we see it today in a horrible way because more and more people are, are being uh, call, call, pulled, like swallowed into left or right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a right wing and a, no, I'm a left wing person. And the world, life doesn't work that way. Life is a multitude of layers of left and right and hot and cold and uh, male and female. And that's, that layered, layeredness is what makes life beautiful. Mm. I was very struck because my son is, has a film out and uh, all these young critics, he's a young man, he's 35, so he has a lot of young critics, and they say, oh, you can't mix comedy and tragedy. <laughs> so they said, take away that, that's a com- comic, but life is full of comedy and tragedy at the same time. Yeah, at the very same time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, so, and, and that's the mindset of today. Mm. We have to come back inside and say, take a look. I'm take a look in the mirror and I see my male part. Mm-hmm. Okay, and now I see my female part. Mm-hmm. And I bring them together and this is who I am. Mm. And I can see who I am in a better way because I can accept that I have these opposites and they're fine together. Mm. They create a new me, in fact, when they come together in peace and happiness, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, for me, the future is learning this. It's not going to be a matriarchal world as opposed to a patriarchal world. I think we've had that. Mm -hmm. We're entering into a completely new age, which is an Aquarian age, if people, you know, understand these terms. Mm -hmm. But it's an age in which these opposites are slowly beginning to come to peace with each other. Mm. And so I think it's going to be an age of, of, uh, of cooperation between the male and the female, mm. which we already see in many of the young couples. The father is being a real father. He takes care of the kid. He diapers him while she cooks. and right, And she may do some male things while he takes care of the kid. Mm-hmm. It's it's interwoven in a very different way, mm-hmm. and I think that's good. That's what it has to be. Mm-hmm. We're going to learn to balance the male and the female. Yes. And the more we try to learn to balance it, the more we're going to have these opposites to trying to push us away from that. So even though it's so hard to live through and to look at, um, it it announces a coming together mm. of the male and the female. So I'm positive, even though 
I suffer like everybody else from this horrible dichotomy that we're seeing in all the political worlds everywhere. Yeah. The political uh, uh, parties, right, in many, many countries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think we're, we're, we're halfway across. Yay, we're halfway. <laughs> There's the message of hope. Maybe a little bit more than halfway across. Wonderful. We hope so. Yeah. Mm. Thank you for saying that. And yes, really presencing the difficulty it is to keep our eyes open to everything that's going on here and on the earth and with us all within our own experiences with our families all of it and it's exactly by doing that and letting ourselves feel it and sit with the paradox that then we can be of support for the new that's coming and continue going forward well i really think that's the, the word paradox mm -hmm. to accept to live in paradox mm -hmm. that brings peace and happiness to us mm -hmm to be able to live in, in paradox, to live with our conscious and subconscious minds intertwining and dancing together and, and happily constructing a new world, which is what we need to do today. Because if we don't return to the imagination, we've gone too far into the thinking realm. Mm. And I'm not against the thinking at all. As you see, I have thousands of books around me, right? Yes. Um, no, I'm not against the thinking, but um, we have to bring it back also to balance it with the imagination. Mm. So stop thinking, start imagining is to me a, a good, uh, you know, it's not stop thinking completely, but bring back the imagination into the, into the equation. Mm. Stop thinking and start imagining has a better ring to it. <laughs> yes, it has a better ring, but it's not quite exactly right. But no, yeah. But bring the thinking back into the imaginal, and the imaginal will, will respond, and it'll make a better world for us all. Mm. Yeah. And and also it may save our planet. I don't know if the planet needs saving, but may, maybe humanity. <laughs> Well, humanity is part of the part planet. Of the planet. Yeah, I feel that. Our consciousness begins to rebalance. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that our ecology will rebalance too. So to me, the, the dreaming revolution, coming back to the dreaming, having the two male, female, male being conscious and female being subconscious, for example, right? Balancing each other. Um, is beginning to rebalance the ecology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We are part of nature. So mm -hmm. our consciousness affects nature. For sure. And the, the other thing is the tools that we have that are the tools of repairing whatever necessity appears on the surface of the ocean of our subconscious um, will are the tools that can repair the manifest world. So the more I repair on the inside, the more the outside starts to unfold peacefully and happily. Mm. Which is exactly what you described as well in the examples 
that you've had in this conversation today of people doing the work. And we really do get to see that in our environment reflecting more and more as well. Absolutely. Wonderful. Catherine, thank you so much for being here. Is there any last thing that you would like to leave us with today? Just be hopeful. Mm. Because you have all the answers inside. And even though the world looks completely on the verge of catastrophe, (laughs) it can be turned around in the instant. Mm. Yes. By inner gazing, by doing the dreaming work. But people have to practice it. Mm -hmm. So practicing, returning to the imagination, I think will help us greatly in the years to come. (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you so much. And everybody, make sure that you get Catherine's latest book, The Kabbalah of Light, and to learn more about the work and the beautiful School of Images. I'll be putting a link wherever the podcast is going to the School of Images dot org that's good yeah Yeah. okay thank you thank you my dear i'm lindsay curtis and thank you for listening to her return the podcast if you've enjoyed today's episode please take a moment and write a review for the podcast wherever you are listening written reviews really support getting more listeners to this content as well as continuing to book powerfully inspiring guests I thank you for your support. Until next time, may you return home to yourself today.